Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And this is episode 148. Uh, welcome. I think it's an amazing episode because we are between, this sounds obvious, episodes 147 and 149, Dave. Uh, yes, we are a 148, 148 sandwich. Yeah. Yes. So last week, last time we had an episode with Jenny Eclair, which was great fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And one of the one of the sort of great comedy legends. Yes, um, exactly. Perrier winner. Yeah, came up through the Perrier Awards and Edinburgh and all that kind of stuff. Mm. On the next episode on one four nine, we have another lady we've interviewed called Joanna Penn, mm-hmm. who is um is not a comedian. She's a she's a, an independent author. She makes and she makes no secret out of this a ton of money doing that, mm. and really enjoys doing it. Um, and it's talking about also audiobooks with digitized voice actors and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, um, why would we want to speak to somebody like that? Well, she really knows exactly what's happening in the world of sort of doing it yourself. Yeah. And, and it's kind of, I suppose, it's a sort of almost like a complimentary episode to when we spoke to uh, Danny Stack and um, uh, Tim Play about uh, the, the, their adventures in DIY. Yeah. And I think what she's talking about in the book world is kind of where the comedy world is heading very, yeah. very, very soon. Yeah. Uh, and the opportunities yeah. within audio in that kind of business but yeah. also this is how you might start out now given that Jenny Eclair was starting out literally in rooms above pubs trying mm. to get an audience and all that kind of stuff so Sherian restaurants in fact uh, indeed yes yeah. there are some great stories uh, so if you've not heard that go back and listen and if you want to get Joanna's episode straight away if you join us on Patreon then you can um, uh, then you can uh, listen to it now uh, listen to it ahead of time we uh, th- thank you, everyone uh, who is a Patreon. You know, we really appreciate having you uh, with us, and and it really helps us. So, who have we got joining us on Patreon? Yes, thanks very much for all of you who have uh, joined us in recent weeks. We got uh, Ben Palmer. Thank you very much uh, for coming, and uh, Craig Sheldon. We got Colin McQuaid, Nina, uh, no surname there, but thanks, Nina. Duncan Ladkin and uh jim williams so yep. thank you all for joining us and uh, we do appreciate uh, having you and it really yeah. helps us yeah it um, definitely does but also if i may say you get an awful lot for your money these days as well because we have a ton of extra audio we must have i don't know 15 20 hours worth of extra audio which we've not released there are preview episodes, uh, you know, so we're lining up some really exciting interviews as well, especially for 150th, and you'll get that straight away, um, sort of unedited, uh, as it were. So um, there's lots of other reasons uh, to join. Also, if you join that, particularly um, at, the, at the governor level, they're named after porridge uh, things. Uh, if you join at the governor level, you've got access to my video course, uh, which is starting to appear weekly, uh, which is sort of, you know, starting all over again, really, uh, from basic idea to getting a script called Writing Your Sitcom, which mm, will be its I... own video course uh, in the new year as sort of a standalone thing. Um, and what about I've, you, Dave? I've watched a couple, actually. James, ah. And uh, very interesting. I'll give you some notes afterwards, maybe. Please but... do. <laughs> Please do. Great stuff. Really, yeah. really interesting. Yeah. So, um, uh, but also... Uh, there's another thing. We'll get to the soup to nuts thing in a minute because we, we I just edited a soup to nuts episode where we're creating a sitcom from scratch, Dave and I between us. And there was a little plot uh, crossover thing, which I want to talk about. But before we get to that, Dave, why don't you just tell us about a competition that you're going to run about uh, a, a scene? Yeah. Basically, uh, Dave Cohen is causing a scene. Yeah. <laughs> 
Very nice. Mm. Um, yeah, so this time, roughly this time last year, we ran uh, a competition 10-page challenge. Uh, we got you to send in the first 10 pages of your sitcom, and uh, James and I read through them. There were a lot of them, and it took a lot of time. Uh, this time, James uh, has uh, other other commitments, I think it's fair to say. Uh, I, but I, I, I do too, but I was thinking that actually, because I've been doing a lot of work on uh, scene work and, and uh, writing uh, specific uh, scenes in sitcoms, and I was thinking that we should have a competition, which uh, I'll uh, introduce more formally, and we'll do with uh, BCG Pro, where you send in a two-minute scene from your sitcom. And uh, what we'll do is uh, we'll probably, I'll, I'll look uh, over them um, over the sort of Christmas, New Year time. And then probably in January, we'll do a Sitcom Geeks episode and we'll, we'll get the best ones. Mm. Uh, and we'll, we'll talk about those particular ones and why, what, what, what it is about them that work so well. Yeah. But it's, it's, um, it just sort of struck me, you know, we talk a lot about, um, you know, how to write jokes, how to write character and the, and, and the big things generally. But um, we haven't done as much work really sort of drilling into like the specific scenes and what everything that has to be in a scene. And, and we've written blogs about it before, but I thought this would be a really good way to help writers really, you know, looking not just at the overall picture and the, and the general notes, but to, to uh, it, it's quite a technical thing really. Um, mm. and, and hopefully getting um, some more information across by having this sort of very small, you know, like four or 500 words maximum yeah. uh, piece of work that you would send in to us. Yeah. Yeah. No, scene writing is one of those things that, I mean, it is kind of the the bricklaying. It is the actual getting getting the roof on stuff. That actually, once you're about to do it, you suddenly realise it's probably a lot harder to do than you thought it was, uh, which sounds crazy. I remember. I don't know why I thought of this, but I recalled this the other day when I learned to drive, which I didn't find particularly hard in some ways because I was brought up on a farm, so I sort of had access to vehicles that weren't on the road, as it were. But I remember finding steering weirdly difficult on an actual road. Uh, maybe it was the Proton car that I was learning to drive in. Um, yeah, I know, Proton, really. Maybe maybe it was the uh, lack of sheep in front of you. That well, maybe you that was it. I was, completely, home, really. yeah, I was completely thrown by the lack of livestock. But um, it was just one of those things where I actually got out onto the road. I just thought, oh, blimey, this is actually harder than it looks. But the bit that I thought would be easy is actually quite hard. Wow. So um, I think... You know, storytelling is one of the things that we've really learned in the last year. I think people find really hard. And we've, got, we've had lots of interesting scenes and situations and characters and jokes. Um, and the story is probably the thing that's usually the most lacking. Um, mm. But actually then within that, I read scene after scene where I think to myself, this is not a scene. This is mm. people talking. Um, yeah. Or this is an event um so you know how, how would you give people some advice on where to start with actually writing a scene what is a scene dave well this comes back to the uh my my uh, nfa my new favorite acronym um, mm. which is the which i've been uh, using a lot recently and uh, uh, the, the more i think about it the more it seems to apply to everything it's aer activate escalate and resolve and it applies to the main story in your sitcom, it applies to uh, 
the, the, the big plot and it, it applies to so many things but it, but even within a scene you uh you're moving your main plot forward one notch and in order to do that you have to do all the things that you do anyway or it's it's, it's similar very similar to a sketch so you still have to when the scene starts you you have to set up what's already there and of, often that might mean reprising what came in the previous scene or just you know bringing in a new character or something but that's uh you're, you're activating again and and then you're bringing in the next complication uh from from the previous scene. so a big thing just happened at the end of the previous scene oh oh my god you don't mean that surely um I was thinking about the, uh, you were talking about uh, about clams, you know, that, that um, you'll never get me on that bicycle, cut to next yeah. scene, person on a bicycle. But this, so, but obviously you don't do that, but it is, you know, the, the thing that happened at the end of the previous scene, okay, we're on to the new scene now. Yeah. And then we activate the next complication. And that's in the first sort of 15 or 20 seconds of that scene. And then we have a minute or a minute and a half where we have the consequences of that activation yeah. just like just like in a big plot um but this is the, within the big plot we've activated it and we're escalating the drama and we're building up we're going to build and build to a bigger point about three quarters of the way through the scene um and and this is going to be the moment of drama and i mean it'll be a could be a cliffhanger moment or it could just be a very very funny joke i've been watching a lot of american sitcoms uh in the last few months and you know a lot, they have a lot of advert breaks in, in american sitcoms yeah. so uh, a, a, you, you see the join yeah. very clearly when you're watching american sitcoms you see oh my god that thing's just happened at the end of that scene and cut to and you're back in the same room yeah bit weird but from a slightly know, different angle yeah but you know there's been two minutes of adverts in between so you kind of get used to it but you what what happened was that that you escalated that moment towards the end of that scene uh and you've got to get then you have to get out of that scene once you've reached that kind of a point of oh my god this is going to happen you have to resolve it but you're not resolving the story at this point but you are getting out of the scene yeah. and you have to get out the scene as fast as possible. Yeah. And ideally with the funniest joke in the whole scene. So. Yeah. And that then tips you into the next scene. Yeah. Um, I was thinking about this the other day, I was reading a script and um, I did think to myself, the, the, the metaphor that came into my head was that the script, the scenes are links in a chain. And I, the, the, the amazing thing about a chain is they're all linked they're all that you know you you can't pull it apart and actually the chain is the thing that kind of pulls you through to slightly shift the metaphor but quite often I read a scene which feels like a closed loop um and it isn't really attached to anything and quite often and referring back to that competition we ran quite often I would find that after um 10 12 15 20 pages even I just go oh okay well that feels like the end and then a new, yeah. and then a kind of almost a new story starts or a new chapter, as it were, starts. Yeah. Whereas actually one thing has to lead to the next. And if you really want proof of just how, if you can get it right, the, the two examples that jump to mind in terms of crack cocaine storytelling, one would be um, 24. Right. Um, 
So the the uh, the Kiefer Sutherland, you know, drama from you know ten, fifteen, 20, maybe it was twenty years ago. I didn't can't remember how how old it is, but that would begin that episodically would just absolutely drag you through. And usually there was a bit halfway through where you could probably switch off before you then got you know hyped up to watch the next one, and you ended up watching four episodes in a row. But in terms of scene to scene. The, you know the the mega star of fiction, going back to Joanna Penn and her um, and her novels, uh, is Dan Brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. you can't put the thing down, <laughs> and I I couldn't put the thing down, even though mm. I'd basically read the non-fiction version in advance called The Holy Blood and the Holy Grail, and I knew exactly where it was going and what he was talking about. Yeah, um, but he he was an absolute master of taking yeah. you. So the the prose was terrible. Mm, it well, didn't matter. <laughs> exactly. I, I thought I must read a Dan Brown book. I was on holiday and there was a Dan Brown book in the bookcase. I thought, yeah. well, I have to, for research purposes, if nothing else, pick up this Dan, Dan Brown book, mockingly scoff at it. And mm. suddenly, 250 pages later, it was, oh, <laughs> all right, OK. Yeah. Um, I could not stop reading this book. And yes, the, 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 the prose was awful. The characters were... were uh, badly drawn there was lots of clunky dialogue but i just wanted to know where are they yeah. going it wasn't the main it wasn't the, the famous one it was one of the uh, but it, yeah. it, it was still involved some some bloke looking for some secret hidden in some base digital fortress maybe sounds like no it okay was some, just, just something else um, yeah the, the, yeah, the da vinci it, code obviously was the was yeah. the one yeah um but yeah, I mean, it's but it's 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 compelling, and so yeah. you you have to work out, you know, how is your story going from one scene to the next scene to the next scene to the next mm. scene, and and not just going but going up, escalating, escalating, because yeah, because you want to get to a point. You want in the same way, you know, with your plot, you want to get to that point three quarters of the way through the story where you know it's victory or it's defeat all is lost or all is won and it's sort of then uh it's a cliff face um mm. if if um you know all is lost so you get higher and higher and then suddenly you come plummeting down and then you have to get back to the place you were at at the start of the episode having mm. learned nothing because this is comedy um so, and life people don't yeah. know <laughs> yeah and that's uh, uh, and the same rule applies in the the, the two minute uh yeah. scene that's within that so yeah. that's what we're looking for not a lot to ask but uh, yeah but that but that's but in a sense that the drama of the scene should be in every scene there should be somebody mm. comes in with a quest ideally that we know what it is yeah and then they meet somebody coming the other way who is an obstacle or in some way moderates their quest or makes their life harder yeah. because they possibly have their own quest or they have their own they're on the other end of this plot um uh, so so you know this th- and this stuff takes ages I, I think again we say it again and again but I'm going to say it again I think people think that this just requires so much planning that it's ridiculous mm. but it requires so much planning it's ridiculous you know I, I might have mentioned oh, I'm writing a, an episode of a murder mystery um, uh, which you know which they're going to film next year it was going to be this year but it, it's not happening and I had to do a story outline and then I had to do a scene by scene and the scene by scene I had to do three or four times over each scene by scene was about 6,000 words right um 
And I did that three times over. And then I had, to, and then that wasn't, that was the story outline. And then I had to do a scene by scene where I absolutely made sure that every single scene was accounted for. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had to do three or four of those. And they were about 6,000 words. And when I wrote the script, the script was only about 9,000 words. <laughs> right. But I'd already written, you know, five times six. I'd already written 30,000 words that I yeah. wasn't going to use, as it were, mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get to the outline for the first draft. Yeah. And then I had to do it again. And then mm. I had to do it again. Um, and you're going to have to do it again, presumably. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I was just saying to Dave before we started recording that I'd sent off draft three and I felt very pleased with myself that I'd done it, even though, you know, obviously it wasn't perfect and I was expecting notes. But I got notes back in the middle of the afternoon and I felt like I just would have been kind of kicked in the guts, you know, halfway through a victory dance, you know what I mean? Uh, so that that was a bit of a surprise. And I read the notes and they were like, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that all sounds reasonable. They were so excited by your script, they had to get back to you straight away. I mean, I've never heard of that. Absolutely, ever, really. yeah, yeah. Well, that's because they're actually going to film it. So uh, ah. they, they do tend to get back to you on those. Cause, yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, great. Oh, well, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pleased to, to know that's happening. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'm sure our listeners are rejoicing the fact mm. that I'm in work. You, you can encode, maybe you could sort of encode in an episode. You could sort of let, let us know who the, who the killer was. Well, um, but without telling. Us, well, that's that's what you're meant to do, I think, isn't it? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. but the other thing, one of the people who's involved in this show, in fact, one of the reasons I, I am involved in the show, I think, is because um, she read a blog post I wrote called When is a Scene Not a Scene? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and she's actually sent links of that to people who are writing scripts for the series to right. say, read this blog post about how to write a scene. <laughs> and here I am now on draft three of my thing, making a right of hauling right. of the whole thing. Um, but yeah, so the scene stuff is, is really, really important. And I think sometimes people just end a scene because it feels like it should be over. Mm. And all of that dramatic tension that they've built up over two or three pages has now been dissipated they yeah. cut to the subplot or another story and then come yeah. back and you've got to kind of build it all up again. And it feels like they don't quite know what that scene is doing. And it's quite hard when you're, when you're deeply entrenched in your sitcom writing. Uh, sometimes, you know, you don't always see. And I think even when, uh, and part, partly your, your first draft is there to show you where you've missed um, yeah. things like, oh, that's not really escalating. Or if I really want to make this... Uh, plot escalate I need to move that kind of third point in the plot I need to move that much further down because then that feels like something I can really build to whereas uh, I just because I put everything down now it wasn't in my head that felt like oh that's the third thing but you Mm. know you look at it and you say "Mm." and then and then you have to start moving things around and then that you have to start changing the scene so you know it is what one one change in your first draft of your scene you know just just then like you say it's a check sets off a chain really yeah your the your chain of uh whatever you just called it i can't remember chain of (laughs) destiny chain of story but the other thing therefore it's worth doing especially if you're if you've written a script or you wrote a script a while back and you're not getting notes on it. You can't get anyone to read it. Um, and, you know, I mean, you could pay someone to read it and that, that that's fine. But if you want to do it yourself, one thing you can do, actually, is you is to make a scene by scene based on the script that you've written and see, you know, it might not resemble the script that you thought you were writing. And as you start going through and summarising the scenes that you have written, you will probably realise that at least 
three of your scenes are actually redundant. Mm-hmm. Um, or actually, in some cases, that one of your scenes is, t- is potentially two scenes. You've got two things, yeah. too much happening in one scene. Um, but I think that's something we both mentioned before. Mm-hmm. We've both seen quite a lot is uh, where some, where uh, two lines of dialogue come out and you actually look at them and you go, oh, wow, that's really, I want to see that. Yeah. But, just kind of you kind of push straight through it and and it's like oh right hang on and, and, and again it's it just takes years of doing it and and missing it previous times yeah. to kind of realize that uh, the experience of going oh yeah yeah no that, that that's that's going to look funny that scene yeah and the other exercise to do is quite often scenes just turn out too long uh because as you're writing mm. them you're just sort of slightly grasping around at what the actual scene is and and occasionally, again, one note I've wanted to give on a scene, and occasionally I do, and sometimes I don't, is, you know, you read a five-page scene, six-page scene, and you want to say to them, okay, do that scene in a page and a half. Mm. Or a three-page scene, which feels flabby. Just go, how would you do that scene with with a look, a line, another look, another line, and you're done? Yeah. And actually, you can get an... I mean, you know, we, we need jokes and we need story. We need stuff to happen. We're not trying to write, you know, short films that are four minutes long. We are writing 22, 25, 28 minutes. But actually, if you can do your scene shorter, you've got to have a pretty good reason not to do it shorter, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, I'm going to put a 500-word limit, I think, for this competition. Yeah. Anything anything more than 500 words will be disqualified. Yeah, so and that's, that's still quite a lot, actually, for a scene, is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so, yeah. If it's I mean, laid if out. Think, if you think a show is 12 scenes, you know, that's 6,000 words, which is kind of as much as your you're kind of maximum level, really, 6,000 words, aren't Absolutely, you? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You don't want to go in with more than 6,000 um, you want to be up five and a half, in fact. So that's a tenth of a show. You know, that's um, four hundred and fifty words. It's coming down. By oh, the- yeah, <laughs> I think five hundred seems about right because you want yeah. them to be clear. You want the action lines to be clear, and you're you're sort of setting yeah. it up from a from a from a standing start. So yeah, be kind, Dave. Be kind. I will. I will. But we'll be. I'll be revealing that uh, probably kind of early October. I yep. think, uh, and that's going to be done in conjunction with uh, British Comedy Guide, who, uh, BCG Pro, uh, and British Comedy Guide, of course, they also uh, run this podcast, so hmm. uh, we're very grateful to them. Yeah, they host the podcast, very uh, grateful, thank you very much um, uh, to Mark and Aaron particularly. Um, so here, here is a tiny, tiny matter before we get on to another bigger matter, and then we'll stop. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the smaller matter is, I mentioned earlier, an overlapping plot problem. So again, if you join us on Patreon, you'll listen to our Soup to Nuts series. I think we're up to about episode 16. So there are 16 whole episodes, maybe 17 I just put up uh, today on Patreon. Um, And we're we're creating a show that is set um, uh, about, it's a a family. We discovered the other day talking about it, that it's sort of steptoe and daughter and daughter uh, was the breakthrough that, that we were making. But also, as we were plotting it, uh, Dave said that there was something that was nagging him about two plots that weren't technically related, but felt that they kind of were. And I don't quite know yeah. we've decided what to do about that. But why don't you just explain what that was, Dave? Uh, 
Yeah, well, uh, just just a quick recap. Many months ago, when we kept, we kind of talked this show idea into existence, and we got as far as uh, as as writing a breakdown, scene by scene breakdown for a pilot episode, uh, which included having a, a statue of a local dignitary that uh, people were protesting against, and then. Uh, and there was also a plot that involved Winston Churchill. Um, then, as luck would have it, of course, the whole kind of uh, protesting against statues movement uh, mm. took on a life of its own uh, earlier in the lockdown. And for some reason, uh, Churchill became embroiled in that, even though no one was suggesting anyone bring down any statues of Winston Churchill, but it became linked. And so we had post Post lockdown, we had our script with our statue that was being protested about, and we had our Winston Churchill plot that was nothing to do with statues. And mm. I, I worried that, um, for the sake of clarity, whether we could still have both the statue plot in a new form and acknowledging what's already been what's been said, plus the Winston Churchill plot, which is again, I'd say, nothing to do with statues, but. When you say statues and Winston Churchill now, you think of the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think this is something that um, my writing partner, Richard, is really strong on as well, is what he would say is, if you don't link those two plots together, it's just going to be annoying, I think, is the sort of thing mm. he would say. Yeah. And and they're, they're not linked. I mean, one is about... Um, uh, Winston Churchill being spotted in an old photograph carrying a particular kind of bag uh, that was made in the factory uh, in this town. And the other statue is about the 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 hero or the heroine's great-grandfather or grandfather as the kind of the one who provided an awful lot of uh, work for people in the town was being honoured, but they were mm. going to pull the thing down. And so... Yeah, it is, it's one of those things where you just want a bit of clear water between your plots, unless you really are going to overlap them. Because the audience are sort of trying to figure out what's going to happen, aren't they? And they, yeah. are, they are often ahead of you because they've seen mm. other sitcoms. Um, yeah. So uh, we haven't quite resolved that one yet, but I thought no. that was a really good example of a, like another minutiae <laughs> bit of plotting, yeah. which requires thinking about before you get onto draft three and suddenly spot it. You might be wondering, you know, how we can talk so passionately about this, uh, uh, about a statue and about Winston Churchill and what the hell are they talking about? Well, we have, we literally spent 16 half hours, mm. about eight hours or so, talking a sitcom into existence, mm. uh, which is quite... And, it's, and it still doesn't exist. <laughs> True, but I, I, I'm really, you know, I sort of look back on it and think, gosh, that's, um, you know, that... That's that is something. It's yeah. it's, uh, it's a way forward. You know, yeah. it's it's a new way of doing stuff. That's yeah. great. So, um, so hopefully, if people want to uh, go join us on Patreon, you can get access to that. I won't mention Patreon again because it's getting boring. <laughs> but that leads us actually into the next thing. So, when you're coming up with a a new sitcom, as we were on that thing, um, something can happen, which I've now read happen quite a lot. And Dave has been thinking about this a bit recently as well. Quite often you read a script and it's a situation uh, and it's a, I don't know, it's a local radio station. It's a bus depot. It's, um, it's a factory. Um, it's a work, it's often a workplace actually, or a bar where the person works or whatever. And it's clear that the main character, it's usually their first day, again, you know, really. 
Um, but then they, despite being the main character and, and the person that we're following throughout this thing, they usually get introduced to everybody as well. Um, I hope a lot of listeners, too many listeners aren't just going, oh dear, is he talking about mine? Uh, but, but in a way, yes, I am. It is, mm. th- this is very common. But the end result is simply this. Your main character is easily the least funny person in this show. And, on, and sometimes they're not at all funny. Mm. So, Dave, why is that? That is a common problem, isn't it? Yeah, and I think I know why, and, I, and I'm as guilty of this as the next person. I, I, I've noticed it a few times, and I think, you know, a lot of the time when we're coming up with ideas for sitcom, uh, we are quite rightly trying to find some uh, a new angle on a familiar topic, which is really what the best sitcoms all are. So you just sort of think, well, you know, I wor- I've worked in a supermarket, and... Uh, you know, I've seen trolley or I've seen whatever, but my experience of working in a supermarket is very different. And I think I can bring my unique perspective. And some of the people that I work with, you wouldn't believe how crazy they were. Um, and so here is this sitcom that's going to be set in a supermarket that's totally different from trolley because but it's, it's my experience. Hmm. And uh, here was the guy, the wacky guy who worked behind the meat counter. Oh, God. And then there was the... the uh, the um, Jehovah's Witness who worked in the um, frozen food. Frozen food. There was the, uh, mm. you know, there, there was the um, vegetarian who worked in the sausage counter or whatever. So, mm. you know, and he, he, these were all these amazing people. And, and you're, you're kind of unloading all the comedy onto all the other people, kind of forgetting that actually, well, yeah, and it it's about, it's about my experience. But actually... What you then have to do is you have to either get out, you know, you've created these people, okay, uh, you're not there now, you, you were the observer, it's like, you know, you're, you're just the writer observing these people, and therefore that you can do as whatever you like with those characters, mm. or you just need to just really go, okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to create stories here, here. The main thing is that you are creating fiction. And yeah. The problem when you are autobiographical, you'll say, oh, these funny stories. number of times people say to me, no, honestly, this really happened to me. And I don't doubt that it happened to you for a moment, but most of what happens to us does not translate into a plot in a sitcom. You know, you may, it may have been that, you know, you work with this completely bonkers bloke who walked around with a, 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 load of fish on his head or something but mm. you know that is not a sitcom plot that's just a, a mad thing that a character did yeah and, and you know you have to invent stories you have to make stuff up around these people and you have to give yourself permission to to lie about what you did there you know you you, you can bring the whatever the emotional truth is about your character when you're working there like oh god i'm working in a supermarket i hate being here i'd rather do anything else than be here and then it becomes that becomes a story or something but you know you've got to just kind of step away from your reality yeah i think that's uh, that's good so i've got a few uh few things to to add on top of that which is so firstly consider deleting yourself mm-hmm. you know what why why do you need to be in your sitcom um because if you're the least fun if 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 that character weren't you 
then then you'd have got rid of them by now. Uh, so actually, you've got to have a pretty compelling reason for why this character is in the show. But yeah, quite often they are purely reactive um, yeah. or they have a very dull quest and it's their first day and then they get something wrong and then uh, they have to sort of make up for it. And then they didn't. And it's like, well, they didn't know. So how would they? And it's, we're not off to a great start. Mm-hmm. Um, so firstly, consider deleting uh, yourself, cancel yourself. Um, the alternative is to point the show somewhere else and actually point it at the meat counter. Is the show the meat counter? And if it isn't, well, w- where else could the show be? Because ultimately, if you don't know, but also if you don't know where the show is pointing, you also don't really know what the show is about. And therefore you do, you do need to know what the show is about. And again, there was a script I read uh, not that long ago where it was set in a specific place. Let's say it was set in a bus depot. And it it felt like I could have written the show. It didn't feel like it was particularly specific to bus depots. I wasn't getting any special access. So I didn't really feel, I didn't quite know why the show existed. And therefore, if I wanted to get rid of the main character who wasn't particularly funny... I wouldn't therefore know who I was pointing the show at. So um, I, th- I think it's just worth thinking either get rid of the main character or repoint the show. And I think you, you might want to have your voice of reason, um, the one with more self-awareness than others. But actually, there's a case for making that a subsidiary character. Um, and weirdly, just to, as in a weird example, Bluestone 4-2, would you believe that the female padre is the most sane person in the show. Um, you know, the one who believes in God um, and the one, you know, she's a complete fish out of water. The show's not really about her. Um, the show is about the, the teen. But occasionally we see everything through normal eyes through her. Um, and yet... You know, it would be very easy for that to, to, you know, to make her. So although the episode, the first episode, she has just arrived. um, We only discover that, you know, a a quarter of the way in or something. They're on an operation. They've done something. Something big has happened. Uh, Mike McShane's character has been shot in the head. Um, It's all kicked off. And suddenly this new Padre's turned up and she's absolutely smoking hot. And Nick's very excited Um, and pretends to have some sort of PTSD so that he's showing he has inner depth. Uh, when he doesn't, he doesn't have any inner depth at all. Um, so, so I think those those characters who have a bit of self awareness are fine. A bit like um, Tim in the Office, actually, the UK version of the Office. Yeah, he he can look to camera as if to say, "Unbelievable! Are you getting this? This is just yeah. unbelievable." But he's not. But David Brent's the show, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and I think, and, and this, a lot of this comes back to what also we we talk about and um, have talked about a lot before, which is the the planning that you put in yeah. at, the, at the start when you are thinking, yeah, I'm the I'm the person. Why me? Why now? Well, I I can write this because I, uh, you know, I I worked in that supermarket and I I worked at that meat counter, and um, I know I I, I uh, and at this point you you want to say. I can reel off 30 stories to you now of yeah. things that happen. That, that's the point where I would say, oh, okay, maybe you have, rather than 
oh, and this person was there and they were really funny and that person was there and they were that. It's more kind of what, what, what's the, um, what, what, what is the, you know, what, what, what is it about this um, situation, uh, this sit that, mm. that lends itself to con? Yeah. Yeah. And so then the other thing to bear in mind is if, if you go back to an episode, I wonder which one it is, with Paul Mayhew Archer, mm-hmm. uh, which is the episode we do with Paul Mayhew Archer. We did two, I think. We did two. And he so, talks about, mm-hmm. uh, let me just look that up, Paul Mayhew, uh, who was a very nice man and mm-hmm. who was a real mentor to me. Uh, episode mm-hmm. 105, Right. Uh, we have, uh, so it's either that one or the one just before. Yeah. Where we talk about hierarchies mm. and um, and actually what you can do, if you do have a character who is who is there to be funny rather than actually have funny characteristics. So Blackadder, for example, mm. is a wisecracker um, and he's a, but the, the way to make them is to make them a sort of a survivor character um, who is sort of just about just about getting through. And the reason they're only just surviving is because they're in the middle of a hierarchy. So they've got someone above them who is unreasonable, but also there's someone beneath them who is equally infuriating in Blackadder's case, Baldrick, um, mm. and Percy in the, in Blackadder the yeah. second. Um, I'm, su- I'm surrounded by idiots. Yeah, exactly. You've, you've so, but, but not only are you surrounded by them, you've actually got to work for them and manage them. And suddenly it's sort of taking on a bit. And the problem is, again, if your sitcom is first day at the office, first day at work being shown around, you don't have any of that authority. Mm. Um, and, and maybe, therefore, just as a shortcut off the top of my head, how about your first episode is not your first day at work, but your first year's anniversary at work. Mm. And you're just thinking, blimey, if I've been here a year, it mm. feels so much longer. You know, or have I been here a year? It feels like no time at all. I'm wasting my life or something. It's just like wind it forward a year and just try it another way. Something like that, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But we do read a lot of first day at the office scripts, don't we? Yeah. In, that, in that competition, mm. we had quite a few of those, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, um, uh, and, and we also get a lot of um, people who, the, 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 a lot of things I see as well, of the people who know each other and have known each other very well. But, the writer is thinking, uh, you, I, I know these people better than you do. I have to introduce them to you. And they kind of talk in ways that people don't talk. And mm. they say, you know, oh, you remember that, uh, that time that you did X, Y, and Z? And they no, no, yes, because then that happened and that happened. And, you know, and the other person said, no, but I did that because of this. And no, no, they didn't, you know, this isn't how people speak. Yeah. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to show how people know each other and i think that's probably why so many first episodes are first day at the office it's so that we can uh, be introduced to these characters without yeah. it feeling like uh, it feeling too clunky for the audience it's like yeah. oh hello this is dada they are xyz um and then they yeah do a comedy thing to prove that they're not xyz because fundamentally your first 10 pages are going to be spent showing someone around the office and being shown around the mm. office is not a story yeah. is it oh, i'm just trying to dance. now you've set me a challenge there james i think how is your first day at the office a story I, yeah you know, really. i mean but at the moment that's again that's an event that's yeah. not that's not a story that's not a quest yeah um 
you know, a, a quest would be, I'm going to show this person around the office if it kills me. Um, oh. And it's almost impossible to show them around the office because it's being fumigated. And, you know what I mean? And there's a fire alarm and, yeah. and, and. You know, I've and just thought of a great scene, actually. And I don't know on. where or how, but it's actually the person who's showing you around. It's their last day of the office. Yeah. You don't find that out until, you know, and they just tell it exactly like it is. Oh, come here, this is blah, blah, blah. She thinks she's, she's a horrible person. Uh, blah, 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 da, 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 and this person, and I'm out now. Bye. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, there's this you is, there. There you go. Yeah. There's your first day in the office. This is Brian. He thinks he's funny. He isn't. And he is useless. Yeah. Um, you know, that is Felicity. She's, mm. She is Lady Mark. I would I'm avoid her. I'm holding on to this scene. I don't know where I'm going to put it, but it's going to turn it's up It's funny. Great. So how do you manage to keep... <laughs> or even, oh, no, I don't work here. I'm just the courier. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a yeah, great yeah. reveal for an opening, for a cold open. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And then you start your show. Then it's like week one, you know, it's, you're, yeah. you're off to the races at that point. But yeah. I think it is, and I, you know, full disclosure, I wrote a show for BBC Radio Wales called Be Lucky. And it only took me, it wasn't until I'd written three episodes and they were broadcast and I was trying to write three more episodes that I realised I was struggling to come up with really interesting storylines because the lead character in the show was me. Um <laughs> Because and I, when I, I did a personality test for him to help me just get my head around this character, and he was exactly the same personality type on the Myers Briggs as I was, and actually it's very hard to turn yourself into a monster. Um, do, you, even... do you swear by the Myers Briggs? Uh, no, uh, not particularly. I think I think there's definitely an episode in uh, creating character profiles. I went through a phase of, of creating characters using Myers-Briggs. It's not a single thing got on anywhere. No, <laughs> sure. But, it, but, but, it, but what it does is if you, if you answer a series of 100 questions for mm. this character, then the algorithm will spit out mm. a, a, a long one-page um, description of that character. And when you read it, you just think, blimey, this is spooky. This is like mm. reading a horoscope. But then you just go, oh, yeah, but I did answer 100 really specific yeah. questions. And so I shouldn't also, be that surprised. Yeah. Just, just, just to kind of uh, fill you in on very broad detail, it's basically there's sort of, sort of four main personality characteristics in it. There's one, one is about the, the, the judgmental aspect of your personality and another is about how you how you perceive things. I've forgotten it's years since I've done them. So, um, Well, there's there's a new one now. There's Enneagrams as well, which is one of nine. Okay. Um, there's there's the Briggs, Myers-Briggs, which um, puts you on four different scales. So I think technically yeah. last time I did it, I was an, I was an INFP, yeah. uh, whatever that is. Instinctive. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, introvert. Um, oh, yeah. So although I present as an extrovert because I do podcasts and that kind of stuff, mm. for me, that means I'm a self-starter and I don't require input from other people in order to get going. I prefer working on my own, by the way, Dave. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, this whole lockdown thing has suited me just fine. Yeah, um, yeah. And I can't remember what the F and the P stand for, but they're yeah. kind of but there, there are other personality types and stuff as well. And I think mm. they're all worth looking into. Mm. Um, and do a personality test for your main character and yeah. then and if it's the same as you you've probably got a problem um, mm. because you're going to always make them more reasonable and justified and less funny I mm. would say 
unless you're full of self-loathing and uh well the thing is i kind of am and i it still didn't work you know i believe in the total depravity of man you know i'm a calvinist so you know i i already i'm jewish yeah well there you go i mean we what a that's a dream team um but um Mm. but anyway calvinist and a jew walk into a bar um complete complete um answers on a postcard but um but yeah so we we've worked through a fair amount of sitcom geekiness today haven't we dave i think we have the rent here um great well so um look at when will people know about this scene competition i guess if you follow us on facebook that would be a good thing to do anyway yeah um also you can go to our patreon page because there's stuff up there that you don't have to be a patreon member for and also um follow us on twitter at sitcom geeks and go to your website as well dave yeah, I'll I'll put it up uh, all all there, and also um, BCG Pro. There'll be a, uh, an announcement from the British Comedy Guide when yeah. when, when it starts and the yeah. deadlines and all the all the all the detail that I cannot give you answers to at this moment, yeah. other than it won't be longer than five hundred words. Yeah, excellent. That was episode 148. Next time in two weeks, we've got Joanna Penn, which I'm really excited about, and then we'll we've got a special mystery. We'll announce near the time episode for 150, where we get to raise our bats towards the pavilion again. Um, Very exciting. And the dilemma of doing something in public or in the Museum of Comedy has been lifted from our shoulders because we couldn't do it even if we wanted to. Um, so, um, so yeah. So that's something to look forward to. Great. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Dave. Thank you very much. Speak to you next time. Bye. Bye.